I bring grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who calls us into fellowship. So today is the first Sunday of, or sorry, the last Sunday actually, of our celebration of Easter. But it is also Mother's Day. And the emphasis of our message this morning is not solely on mothers, but on the Holy Spirit. But what is fascinating about this is that the Holy Spirit and mothers share similar responsibilities. They both give birth, and they both give care. And so as we go through the message this morning, uh, there will be a parallelism of functions as far as it relates to their responsibilities together, but with more emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Uh, today's gospel text is a continuation from where we left off last week. The Lord is still encouraging his disciples about what they are to expect after he leaves them and go back to heaven. Their hopes were dashed at the news that Jesus would be leaving after they had spent about three years of their time with him. Their hopes were dashed, as we said, because they had this anticipation that he was going to come and establish an earthly government. But God was looking bigger than that. He sent his son into the world to do something much, 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 way much bigger than that. And so they didn't understand that. In verse 1 of this chapter, he opens up the conversation by saying to them, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled by what? By the news that I am going to be leaving for heaven. The question I want to throw out this morning as we go through this message, are there some troubled hearts here this morning? Troubled by the issues of life. We come to church every day with nice-looking faces and good-looking dress on, but sometimes on the inside we are struggling with problems. Issues that have come and captivated us and is causing us to go through much trauma. And we come to church with that. In John 14, the first thing Jesus does is he gives his disciples a picture of the end product. Uh, he acts like a salesman. He acts like a salesman in this text. They are troubled. He gives them something much bigger to look at. It's just like when you go to the car dealership to buy yourself a car, which I did quite recently went to the car dealership to look at cars because the one I had was on a lease and the lease was over. And the moment I went and talked to the salesman, the first thing he did was threw the key at me and told me, go and take a ride. What he was trying to do is to get me, you know, enticed about this car. And the only way he could get me to that place was by putting me in one of them and let me go down the street. And so uh, Precious and I got in the car and we took a ride. Uh, we came back to the dealership. We felt good about it. And so it inspired us to get a car. 
I'm saying this to say that this is exactly what Jesus did with his disciples. Uh, so the beginning of the chapter talks about the end product, which is heaven. In John 14, he talks about heaven. But then he comes further down in the text and says, while you are still here waiting for this, here are a few things that you need to know or understand while you wait or anticipate heaven. So last week we talked about heaven, and I know a lot of us left from here very inspired and very encouraged by the message we heard last week about heaven and what God has in store there for us. Makes us want to go there. And so while we are hacked uh, up about that and excited about what is awaiting us there, today God, Jesus, comes back in the same uh, chapter, and he's telling them about what to expect or he expects from them while they are here waiting for him. A little advice I want to give you. If you want to get over your day or your trouble days, all you have to do is think about your tomorrow. Think about heaven. And heaven is going to bring about joy in your heart. You see, in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Paul, knowing about trouble days on the earth, he encouraged his church, the church in Colossae, he encouraged them with these words. He says, therefore, since you have been raised with Christ, he says, strive for the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The Christian journey is one that has an anticipation. And the anticipation for this journey we are on is heaven. And just in case you haven't been thinking about it in this way, I come to lighten up your minds this morning. I come to encourage you to begin to think about heaven. Because all of the time we preach the messages to you, we let you understand that this realm of time where we live in is only but for a time. And so we spend it well with families and friends as we do today after church. We're going to go and spend this time together and uh, uh, celebrating Mother's Day. And then this time is going to go and the next year will come and we will do the same thing when the time comes. And as we do this, time is passing and going on and on and on until we get to this point where we begin to exit out of the world. Exit out of this realm. And then we leave others here who are just left with fond memories of the time when we were still here uh, celebrating. Today, as we celebrate Mother's Day, there are some who are grieving the home going of their loved ones who did not make it until today. And so they are celebrating, but then also they are grieving at the same time. And we grieve along with them this morning. We empathize and sympathize with what they are going through uh, this morning as we celebrate Mother's Day. So Jesus tells them that there is hope for tomorrow, and there is also hope for today. In as much as today seems hopeless and full of trouble, Jesus says there is hope for today. So in last week's gospel reading, we talked about the hope that is there for tomorrow, and that is heaven. We spent a lot of time on that, and this week we want to zero in on the hope that is there for today. God's desire to 
keep us comforted from the day we became saved, Jesus is like a mother. From the day that baby is born in the hospital, the mother springs into action, and her number one goal is to keep her baby comforted. It's the first thing that runs to her mind. The moment that baby is born, she forgets about the pains that she's been going through, and she kicks into gear, and the next thing is comfort. Comfort. She doesn't want to hear the baby cry. I remember when we went in the hospital, and Precious had our first baby was Andrea, and the, the, she was crying, and they took her in the back, and she was literally trying to get out of bed to go and find out what's going on with the baby. And so these are the kind of symptoms that would come out of a mother when the child comes into the world. She shifts gear from that time of moment of pain, and she gets into this point where she becomes this person who cares so very much. That's the same thing that we find with the Holy Spirit. The second primary job of the Holy Spirit is his uh, job to get us born again. The born again is the first, sorry, the first primary job is to cause us to get born again. You see, the Spirit of God is he who gives new life. And no one can become born again except by the Spirit of God. That's the work he's doing in the world today. And this is the reason why he hasn't yet returned to heaven. And he's going to be here until Jesus comes back. And the number one primary job of the Holy Spirit is to bring people in faith so that they will be born again, to save them and snatch them out of the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the marvelous light of God. That's the number one job of the Holy Spirit. He's doing it this morning through the words that are coming up from pulpits, from pastors who are preaching the true gospel this morning and telling people about the love of God. He is saving lives, transforming people, and the, the, the word of God is entering hearts, and the Holy Spirit is working through the word and bringing life and regenerated life into people's hearts. And he is still bringing lost souls into the kingdom of God. And so this is the job that he does. So now, let's see how the Lord gives us a promise of hope for today. Let's zero in on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. Look in John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Now, you may ask the question, what does this text have to do with the fact that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of life. Let me break it down for you. Notice that Jesus begins the conversation with love. Love. That's where it begins because that's who God is. God is love. And that's where the story begins, the conversation starts. And this is why the first primary job of the Holy Spirit is to give life. Life. Like a mother. That's the first thing. So in 1 John 4, 7, uh, uh, John writes, dear friends, he says, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So here again, we find that love is the life we receive from God, because God is love. This is found every place where we find God dealing with humankind, we find the love of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 
verse 8, that God's love never fails. His love never fails because love is life. In John 3, 16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In Romans 8, it tells us, verse 1, that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. He tells us again that the fruit of the Spirit is love in Galatians chapter 5. Love, love, love. The greatest of these in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, the greatest of these is love. He says, now abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, the love of God, my friends. So the phrase, if you love me, is a conditional statement that Jesus is making, which qualifies the spiritual condition or state of a person. If He's saying, in other words, if you have my life in you, that's what it means if you love me, if you have my life in you, because no one can love God, live for God, serve God without having the life of God in them. This is not a choice. It's not something that you do like you go into the grocery store and pick up some groceries from on the shelf and take it home. That's not what it is. This was a choice that was made by God. And that's what the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. We had nothing to do with this. And by some chance and by the grace of God, the word of God came in our hearts. And as God's word came in our hearts, it changed us and it saved us through the power of and working of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we became transformed and we are who we are today because of the love of God. This had nothing to do with us. So when Jesus uses this phrase, if you love me, he is simply telling you that if you have the life of God in you, you will keep my commandments. My friends, that's where it starts. It starts with the love of God. When the love of God enters the heart of the believer, that believer doesn't want to hurt God. You get into a relationship with him. It is like a love relationship you are in with him, like a husband and a wife. And then you don't want to hurt your spouse. It is how it is when we enter into the relationship, when God rebirthed us into the spirit. And when we enter into this relationship, the first and foremost desire is to love God back is to serve God, is to do his will, is to keep his command. We are all wrapped up and tangled up and tied up in him because we just want to have that fellowship with him. And that's why Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. It's not going to be a matter of choice. It's going to be a matter of desire. There is going to be inside of you an inborn spiritual tendency to serve and love God because his spirit lives in your heart. Give God a hand of praise this morning. We talk about the Holy Spirit as the spirit of life. Now let's look at the Holy Spirit as the spirit of comfort. In John 14, verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, we can see here that the second primary job of the Holy Spirit is to give comfort. Just like I said, like a mother who goes in the hospital to give birth. Her first primary job is to give birth. And the moment that baby comes into the world, her second primary job is to give comfort. 
We see the same with the Holy Spirit. Here is his second primary job to give comfort to us after we come into life with Christ, keeping us peaceful like a mother does. Why do we need peace? Because the world is not a place of comfort. This world is not a place of comfort. We see it in the birth of a newborn baby. That the first thing the baby does the moment it arrives is cry. Because it has entered into a zone that seems to be discomfort. It, it, it senses discomfort. And the baby begins to cry. And now the baby has to be comforted. And that's the same situation with us. When we get born again and have the life of God in us, uh, uh, life changes and things about us and the perspective that we carry change at that moment. And instantly we become adopted into the family of God, which now brings about a demarcation between the world and us because the world's view of God is different from God's view of himself. And those of us who come to faith in God are carrying the view of God in our hearts and in our minds, and the world opposes us and resists us because they don't believe in God. Then that problem comes in, and we begin to face trouble. We have another one who attacks us, who is the evil one, Satan. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. As a matter of fact, the mean time when we come to realize who the Holy Spirit is, is when we come to faith in God. Then we get to understand that, yes, there is a devil who is coming to clean my life or to destroy my life. And so now the Holy Spirit is in here to comfort us when we're going through these difficult times in our lives. We have the forces of darkness that is against us 24-7. The moment you step your feet down from the bed in the morning and put one foot before the other, the devil is planning out your life. And the plan is only to destroy you. That's what he comes to do. But Jesus says, I've come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's why he comes. And that's why we need to continuously follow him. In John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. That's what the Holy Spirit brings, peace, so that you may have peace. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. My friends, we live in a troubled world. In the world, you have trouble. In me, you will have, he says, peace. In Christ, we become like a bulletproof vehicle still driving through the, um, the, the ambush because why we are solid in Jesus Christ. And we can take it through the storm. We become just like Jesus himself. Remember when they were on that boat on the water and the storm came. The Bible tells us that Jesus is in the deck of the boat. What was he doing? He was taking a nap. Taking a nap in the midst of the storm. That's what he wants us to learn to do. And have that comfort in him. That he is able to take us through the storm. Even though the storm is on, he's not going to stop the storm. But he'll be there with you. And that's why the psalmist David says in Psalm 23, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. He's always with us, my friends. Sometimes when trouble stands in our way, trouble will make us to feel like there is no God. Or we may ask the question, but God, where are you? When we're going through the storm, but I 
come to let you know this morning, no matter how big your storm is, how hard it is or difficult, you have to understand that God has made a promise and the God that we serve is always saved by his word. God says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So when things seem difficult, you have to understand that you have the spirit of God. He's right on the inside of you and he's there to walk you through that valley until you get out. Give God a hand of praise this morning for the Spirit of God. And so, 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 look at the phrase in the text, another advocate, another advocate, which depicts one of the same kind. It is telling us that there was one of the same kind who was there that is being replaced with another. So what it is telling us instead is that the Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I'm leaving, but another is coming. It's just like in the hospital, when one doctor's shift is over, another doctor comes and takes over the shift uh, because the two of them do the same thing. So even though that one is going, but the other doctor's coming, is going to continue to work. You don't have to lie in a bed and wait until the next day until your doctor comes back. Another doctor takes shift. And this is what's happening here with the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus Christ. We have the Trinity, the blessed Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one who is assigned to the earth today to carry on the mission that he's carrying out. And I can tell you one thing. I don't know about you, but I feel him every day. And he's good at doing what God had sent him to do. And this is why Jesus is in heaven and at the same time can be with us in this place this morning. At the same time can be with us in our hearts when we leave this place because the Holy Spirit represents him and the Spirit of God is hovering over the earth and he lives inside of you. At the same time, he's moving over the face of the deep, doing wonderful things. That is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit that is even in this room this morning, all over this place, captivating your hearts as you hear God's word. Now, in John 14, verse 19, Jesus says, Before long, the world would not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. You will see me. You see, to help means that the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, is a helper. And that when Jesus says, you will see me, the world will not see me, but you will see me because I am with you. He was speaking in terms of the Spirit of God living inside our hearts. And so we know that Jesus is in us because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And now look, what does he do? The Bible says he is a helper, the advocate, all right? He comes to be alongside with us, and one of his job is to help us, help us. He is a helper. A helper is one who assists someone who is trying to do something but needs an extra pair of hands. That's what it is. And many times we lie down on the couch and we, allow, we think that the Holy Spirit is going to come and just do it. No, he is a helper. He is with you, but he will help you through difficult times. How many times I'm lying in the bed in the morning and I make the decision to come to church on Sunday morning, but when it's time to get out of the bed, it becomes difficult to get out of the bed. I'm talking to you as your pastor. I'm telling you what happened to me on Sunday mornings. And so you can imagine what you go through. I have to be here. It is my responsibility to be in church in the morning and preach the word of God. But when day breaks 
it gets difficult to get up. And I take the, the comforter and put it over my head. And let me just sleep another five minutes and doing all that stuff. But I still need to get up and be in church on Sunday morning. And now it comes to that point where I have to make that decision. And I get out of bed. And the moment I start moving, the Holy Spirit comes in and he energizes me. And then I'm stirred up and I'm ready to come and give you another word. That's how it works. We need to depend on the Spirit of God to help us and not to just do it for us, but he wants to be there with you and, and walk you through. How many times have you made decisions to live or do this or do that for God and you never really got done or prayed about it for so long and never really got done because you never really uh, pushed yourself to move? The Spirit of God wants us to move and serve and do things for God. And as we're doing it, he's going to come alongside us and help us in the process to get it done. In Hebrews eleven six, it tells us uh, he rewards those who what? Diligently seeking. You know what that means? It is an effort to serve God, folks. It is an effort. It is not just something we say with our mouth. It is an effort that we need to put into serving God. Diligently seek him, the Bible says. He rewards them. Look at his duration, the, the Holy Spirit's duration. His duration is, is, is this, he will be with you, what? Forever. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't come for a moment. He is not only here until Jesus comes, but he's going to be with us for what? Forever. What that means is from the day that a Christian became born again, the Spirit of God was deposited into your heart. And when the Spirit of God got deposited into your heart, he was deposited with uh, an eternal guarantee. Did you hear me? An eternal guarantee. Because he is an eternal being. And whatever God does is eternal. So he took his eternal spirit and placed it inside of us, not to be with us for a moment, but to be with us for all times. That means that when we die and we are leaving the earth to get to heaven to God, the spirit of God is going to be with us. He's going to take that ride with us up to heaven. He's going to be with you in heaven. He will stay with you throughout all times. That's the promise that Jesus is making in the text. So we talked about how the Holy Spirit gives life and the Spirit, He is the Spirit of comfort. Lastly, let's talk about how the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. John 14, verse 17. He says, The Spirit of truth, Jesus says, The world cannot accept Him because He is neither, a see, did neither see Him nor know Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be what? In you. Notice that the third primary job of the Holy Spirit is to speak truth. The Holy Spirit speaks truth. This text suggests to us that the Holy Spirit is not a liar. All right? He speaks the truth at all times. And do, you, do you need an earnest friend in your life? We, in this life, break friendship because people were not trustworthy. We break relationship because somebody lied. And we break friendship and we, 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 we uh, cancel contracts because somebody told a lie. And we try to make relationship with people and it doesn't work well. But I come to let you know this morning that the Spirit of God is the only truthful friend that anyone had ever had. He'll never tell you a lie. When he speaks, he speaks the truth. This text suggests to us that the Holy Spirit is not a liar. He speaks the truth. At all times, when you are wrong, he'll tell you you're wrong. John 16, verse 8, 
Look at that verse. It says, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He will convict. The word convict is talking about the fact that he is going to come and bring about inside of us a level of uneasiness about the sin that we are going through as the word of God comes in our hearts. He will trouble us about it and then bring us to that point of recognizing the sin and then recognizing the need for righteousness, but recognizing that this need can only be filled by one person, and that's Jesus Christ. And then we cling to the cross of Christ, and we stay right there under the cross and allow him to wash us by his blood. We become cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and then we begin to enjoy his righteousness. The Bible says he is going to convict us of judgment. How many times do we sin and begin to wonder about how God feels about it? That's the Holy Spirit. When you feel that conviction after you sin in your life, that's the Holy Spirit. Every time we sin and that conviction hits your heart, that's the Holy Spirit that is inside of you that has reawakening your conscience and cannot allow you to just keep going. Some of us, we have sealed our conscience with consciences with hot iron, and we cannot feel the, uh, the, the conviction any longer. But the Spirit of God is still in you, I must tell you that. Even though you have grieved him and quenched him, and he's just in there, cannot do anything, but you have to understand, but he's still there. He's still there. He wants to help you. He wants you to give up that sin and come back to the cross of Christ and bring your whole heart to him and give it up. And let him do what he, God, wants to do in your life. The world cannot accept him because it neither see him nor know him. The text tells us that the world in which we live will never understand why we do what we do. Because they do not have what we have. And that is the problem that is in the world today. They try to bring us and make us like them. But we cannot be like them because we don't have what they have. What we have, they don't have. And it brings about a confusion. And there is a line that is drawn in the sand that keeps us on this side and keep them on this side. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. Our salvation wouldn't make sense to the world. When you talk about Jesus, it doesn't make sense to them. Our service, service to God wouldn't make sense to the world. Our praise wouldn't make sense to the, to, to the world. Because you're going through a problem, and in the midst of the problem, you are singing. How, how can that make sense to anybody who is walking on Broad Street? You are going through difficult times, and they understand the problems that you're going through. But even in the face, in the midst of that situation, you were able to still raise your hands up to God and sing, I know my Redeemer lives. You can still sing the song because you believe in him, because he is in your heart, in the midst of your storm. He is with you. The world would not understand it. You know, it's like a guy walking on the street with a walkman in his ear and is singing and dancing to the song. Only he alone is hearing and nobody else hears it. And people see him on the street and think that he is dumb or crazy, but he's listening to something inside of him that nobody else hears. That's what it is like when the Spirit of God is inside of us bringing words of comfort and bringing a song in your heart in the midst of the storm, and the world wouldn't understand it because only you alone is enjoying that moment with the Spirit of God. So, but, but here is the part that I am fired up about. J 
Jesus says, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. You know him. You know him. And you see, this is the reason why I don't argue with fools about Jesus. I don't argue. I call them fools because the Bible says only the fools will say in their hearts, there is no God. So I don't spend my time arguing with them. And when they come up with questions like, how do you know this is true? And I tell them this is not something I learned by, by way of knowledge. This is an experience. This is an experience. This is a life. The life is in me. You cannot understand it unless that life gets in you. You can't understand it. I don't have anything to explain to you unless you need the life. If you need the life, I can lead you to the life and let that life come in you. But there's no time for argument because no one can convince me that Jesus doesn't live because he lives in my heart. And I feel him every day. And I walk with him and talk with him every day. And so uh, this is the word that I have to encourage you with this morning. In John 14, 18, verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. And this I will come to you is a continuous coming. That whenever you are down, I will come to you. Whenever you are in need, I will come to you. Whenever you are lonely, I will come to you. Whatever the problem is that you're going through, I will come to you. I will be with you, and I will be in you. That's the kind of relationship that God has established with all of us. My friends, no matter what the problem is that you may be going through this morning, if sin is wearing you down, come to him. If you're having troubles in your relationships, come to him. If you're having problems and things that you just can't understand, come to him. Because he's always here with his arms stretched wide open to receive us and to lead us to that place of truth. I pray that these words from God this morning on Mother's Day will encourage your hearts as you celebrate Mother's Day, knowing that the Spirit of God is just like a mother. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.